0: It's time once again for another episode of Pro Advocate Radio, brought to you by My Advocate Center, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Deb Beecham. You're listening to Pro Advocate Radio with your host, James O'Brien and Deb Beecham. And we have a beautiful, beautiful day in downtown Atlanta. Deb,
1: good to be back in the studio (laughs) together for a change. It's been a while. I know. I miss you, James. Yeah. So... Uh, Yeah, driving in um, this morning made me realize how grateful I am to live in a place like Atlanta, Georgia, and to have the mix of weather that we have. Mm -hmm. Today is that perfect, cool fall day, crystal clear skies, and again, we feel really fortunate. I mean, my kids are settled in school. They have everything they need, and I know your kids and grandkids are Mm -hmm. well-situated, so it's our pleasure to be able to spot.
2: Your toes in the sand, an ice-cold drink in your hand. Waves lapping on the shore as palm trees sway in the tropical breeze. Sound like paradise? This is winter, St. Pete Clearwater style. With 35 miles of white sand bliss and warm gulf waters, paradise is closer than you think. Visit awardwinningbeaches.com to plan your perfect getaway to St. Pete Clearwater. Voted the best beach in America by TripAdvisor
1: sponsor pro advocate radio and to bring in other nonprofits that serve our community in different ways and one of our favorite groups is children's restoration network and ben good morning
2: great to be back
1: this is your second time in the studio and we um, we had a great time learning about children's restoration network and sharing about the stuff the bus campaign that wsb and kroger and everybody just did a smashing job of stuffing those buses and the volume of school supplies brought together. That was just incredible. I was so impressed. And then the gala, um, that, that blew me away because I had been to one many years ago, you know, say many years ago, but several years ago. And it was just, um, the growth and the growth and the support of the organization and the impact of your organization are just significant. So hats off to you all for, growing it and having this kind of reach that you do so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the organization your background and what you guys have going on
2: absolutely uh well with children's restoration network uh, we focus on helping homeless children and homeless mothers with children throughout the community and a lot of people don't realize it but with the homeless population uh children make up about 40% of the homeless population throughout the state of Georgia and children under the age of nine are the fastest growing segment of the homeless population. Mm. And so we're out there uh, trying to make sure that these kids get their physical needs met, their emotional psychological academic uh, so that, on the one hand, we want them to be able just to experience those everyday joys that we so, take so for granted with our childhood, but we also ultimately want to help them prepare to really break the cycle of, of homelessness and become independent, successful adults. And so that's really where our focus is.
0: Well, and this this speaks to you know a lot of people. We spend a lot of time talking about uh, family court issues, but all this stuff just converges and mm-hmm. comes together and it. You know, none of it happens in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and that's why somebody might be wondering why, why, why this subject. But it, it plays into that. It all plays in together, and you know, like you said, it's about breaking that cycle mm-hmm. and intervention and resources. You know, that's good intentions are great, but you know, it's where the rubber meets the road, and that's where you guys come in. So tell some tell us a little bit about the the real life things that you guys do that that help these kids? Well,
2: it, it's it's across
0: the board, really. Uh, and really, you need to understand
2: where these kids are coming from. And so most of the kids we work with, they live in group homes, which mm-hmm. are basically modern-day orphanages. Right. And so with this, they've often come from abusive backgrounds, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, uh, neglect, abandonment. But there are also a lot of tragedies there. Uh, a parent with mental health issues, a parent with substance abuse issues, uh, mm-hmm. parents who die with no relatives around to take care of the kids. And then, of course, uh, with uh, when families are struggling in the com- the economy, especially single mothers right. with kids, one car accident or one health bill can cause things to spiral out of control and can lead women with kids to have to seek shelter in an emergency shelter or transitional housing program. Uh, and so there's just this huge need and these shelters do a great job of helping at these basic needs, but we're trying to come in after the fact to provide those supportive services to help year-round.
0: Right. Well, and that's, you know, we always, we, it's something we've talked about with a lot of the uh, nonprofits is you get around the holidays and everybody's in a given mood. It, you know, there's a lot more demand that time of year, but you're getting a lot in. But this is a 365-day-a-year need there's always a need out there and you know sometimes we get caught up in our busy lives and we forget just how much need there is out there
2: it's tremendous and it's growing each each day and it starts from the moment these kids walk into these shelters And so, especially now that school started back, as soon as these kids walk in, the first thing the shelters do is they get them enrolled in the new school. Mm -hmm. But when you're walking into a shelter, you often have little more than the clothes on your back. Right. If these kids do have a book bag, it's for them. It's a suitcase. It's not a book bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so these kids often have to go to school that first day with not enough school supplies. um, Maybe an old ratty book bag. Uh, And so as a result, the kids around them, they make fun of them. Their teachers often think they don't care. And so one of our primary goals is to make sure that they're prepared for that school year. And so we just finished up with our largest back-to-school campaign ever. uh, And we actually gave out 6,000 new new-filled book bags this year.
1: Wow. Wow. 6,000. That's that's amazing. I could tell looking at the pictures that it was going to be a huge number, but 6,000. Wow. We That's were incredible. just
2: blown away and we just can't thank and the people enough who donated, the people who dropped off a book bag in, uh, with school supplies at at a pub, at Kroger who was serving as our public drop-off sites. And again, uh, WSB TV, Channel 2 did a great job uh, promoting the campaign and they actually had a Stuff the Bus event where they had school buses uh, at various different Kroger's as well as in American Signature Furniture and in Northside Hospital and Forsyth. Uh, throughout the Metro Atlanta area so that wherever people were, they could come and donate school supplies there that ended up helping these homeless kids. And so,
1: everybody didn't just get involved a little bit. They went all in. Absolutely. I mean, every, every single personality, you know, staff member at WSB, they did, and they just kept it going. It wasn't just a one-off, you know, Hey, this is going on. Every, every, everybody seems to get how significant the need is and what a difference it makes for these kids. And, I mean, my goodness, you send them in with a boost of confidence where they have what they need, then they can focus on what the teacher's saying and getting their homework done. Somebody just wants to call, they hear this and they're driving. It is 770-649-7117. Can you say that one more time?
2: 770-649-7117.
1: Okay, because when we're on a podcast, like right now we're live, Mm but there'll be people mm-hmm. you know flipping through podcasts on their phone and hit on this and cuz there's a lot of there's a lot in the news about children going missing like WSB did some alerts over the weekend about some missing children so you know these vulnerable children are more and more on our minds mm-hmm. and we're talking about issues like child trafficking and being homeless and being vulnerable to be becoming trafficked go hand in hand so the the more we serve these shelters and the more we serve these children and the more we tutor them and be available as mentors the more they're shored up and the less vulnerable they are to other you know failures in society whether it's drugs or getting pregnant you know um early in life there's all kinds of things that we can head off at the pass. So now's our time to catch these kids. And you said the average age is well, the, or not an average age, but the,
2: we work with kids who are anywhere from zero to 18, 19 years old. And so, uh, but these kids are unfortunately are getting younger and younger. Uh, Children under the age of nine are now the fastest-growing segment of the home's population. But then again, there are a lot of kids who are in these group homes who are teenagers. And so uh, And so, for a lot of these kids, as soon as they turn 18, they're going to be aged out of the system. Right. And so they are going to have to be independent, living on their own, having had limited, if any, work experience, uh, oftentimes uh, not having that further education. Uh, and so it can be a real challenge for them to continue along right. those So types.
1: talking with people about just life skills, banking, driver's licenses, having people teach them how to drive, how to navigate the transportation system, MARTA, you know, here in Atlanta. Um, those are all things that someone can spend time teaching, you know, a preteen or a teenager about so that when they do you know, turn eighteen. They have some idea what's out there and how to get around, how to apply for a job. Um, I mean, just going to the grocery store, learning how to budget, and you know, what do I really need versus you know, what are my wants? And um, so, this isn't just limited to school supplies. Um, what's what's the big campaign you have going on right now? I saw something about a Disney World trip.
2: Well, we've had. A great opportunity, something that's never happened since I've been at Children's Restoration Network over the past seven years. Uh, but basically, uh, Siemens has donated 110 Disney tickets to any of the Disney theme parks to us. Thank wow. you,
1: Siemens. Yes, Absolutely. that's awesome.
2: Oh, it's just an amazing gift. I mean, these tickets alone are valued at uh, about eleven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Wow! And so that makes the the start of a great vacation. Uh, and we have one group home that's going to take about Uh, close to 50 kids along with the house parents down there, and they're going to visit a couple of the different theme parks. But it's something I've never even really thought about, but if you're taking 50 kids down to Orlando, Florida, (laughs) having hotel accommodations, uh, preparing all those meals for these kids, uh, having the transportation to get down there, it's a a monstrous expense just Mm -hmm. to take it. And for reasons like that, many of the kids we work with have never... Gone on a right. vacation. Right. Most haven't even been out of the state. And so this is a once, this is the first time that most of these kids are going out of the state uh, and they're going to get just the time of their lives. Uh, but with that, we're asking for donations to help. To help us get these hotel accommodations in order, Uh, they're renting some vans to to drive the kids down there. Uh, Obviously, uh, the food at the Mm -hmm. Disney parks can get a little costly. And so, uh, but just to make that just a truly memorable experience for all of these kids.
0: Well, that's very cool. Um, You know, and that's it's something that, you know, it's, you know, vacations and stuff like that when parents, single parents, or, you know, whatever the situation, that's the first thing that goes. You know, when there's a financial crisis, nobody's spending money to go to Disney or go here or there. So you're right. These kids, a lot of times, even maybe before they come into the group homes, haven't been on a vacation in Mm -hmm. years. Because generally, that's not something that just happens overnight. You know, Mm -hmm. there's been an ongoing issue. So, you know, I can see where that would be a really unique and wonderful experience for these kids. so as
1: much as we can raise and, you know, different things contributed to make this trip fantastic um, for everyone. Um, I think we should keep encouraging people to contribute. Um, Yeah. That it kind of, it just blows my mind. I grew up going to Disney world Mm -hmm. so often and I can just picture it. And I, I wish I could be there to see their faces. That's going to be incredible.
2: It's going to be just so magical. And again, this is just an amazing opportunity, but we, but anything we can do to give these kids new experiences, can be life-changing for them.
1: Yeah, just the travel alone is going to be um, something that they'll remember all their lives.
2: Well, one thing that we do is we have a program called Friends Indeed, and it's a way for groups to get involved doing kind of one-time or even uh, doing activities on a regular ongoing basis at a shelter. But they may take these kids on fun or educational outings or will help with shelters to do like repainting and repairing. But... To expose these kids to new experiences and broaden their horizons really makes a difference. I know that uh, one of the one trip that these kids that some of the kids we worked with a few years back uh, they went in they went out into the country and went to visit a farm, uh, and one of these kids walked up and he saw a cow and he's like and he's like what's that big dog over there, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, and so just again to be able when you've grown up in this one area and not really seen much else, just to be able to experience different things, whether it's uh, taking a trip to the aquarium or going to a Braves game, or even something as simple as a pizza party and movie marathon. Right. Uh, these are just ways to, to, again, to have those wonderful experiences and to really get uh, broaden that experience. So
1: if, a, so if a small company, for example, says, you know what, I can't do what Siemens did, But I can sponsor a movie night, Mm -hmm. you know, might cost them $1,000 worth of movies and pizza. And I mean, not even that, I mean, they can do something small, and still make, you know, a positive impact on their lives. So, and they can get in touch with you.
2: Yes, they can get in touch with us again. Uh, they can check out our website at www.childrn.org. And they can personally reach out to me, Ben Miner, at ben@childrn.org.
1: That's great. I think we're going to start an email chain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> just, as we were talking about this, I'm thinking about all the companies around town that I'd like to um, send a personal um, invitation or request to.
2: And. Th- I also think people have this idea in their mind that homelessness is something that's a city problem. And so they think, oh, every shelter's in downtown Atlanta. All the homeless kids are in downtown Atlanta. But that's not the case. We work with 134 different group homes and shelters mm-hmm. across 20 counties.
1: 134. 134. In twenty, 20 counties. counties, and yeah.
0: we've got what 154 counties in the state of Georgia. Yeah. Wow. So do the math, people. Yeah. Let, let me remind you, you are listening to Pro Advocate Radio with your host James O'Brien and Deb Beecham, and we are talking about supporting the children of Georgia.
1: Yes, we are, and there's, um, as we're listening to Ben, there's just so many needs. So I mean, it might it might be making a trip to you know a store. You know, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, a high-end store, but, you know, visiting, I mean, I I don't want to mention any retailers at the moment. We'll just see who steps up. (laughs) Clothing, hair products, toothpaste. I mean, there's just so many things that just pick pick up whatever you're inspired to pick up and bring to CRN, to Children's Restoration Network. And um, I think I mentioned this the first time you came on, You know, I was introduced um, through a friend and went to a gala, and I didn't know anything about Children's Restoration Network. And it was a really fun event, but there were some tears. When you, you think about how much you take for granted every day, and, you know, we know about homelessness, but we don't see it. So we're not thinking about all the things that they don't have access to. And we bought a piece of art at that gala and I went to your office to pick up the art and you know I was just blown away I really I had to just sit in my car for a little bit because it was so overwhelming to think about how much work is being done for so many children and you all run really lean which is something that I mean when people are looking at donating and contributing they love seeing that this is a low overhead high impact far-reaching organization and your any dollar amount that you spend or donate is it just has a very large impact it's it goes where you want it to go
0: well and i and and i think everybody gets hung up on the stereotype you know the the immediate thought when people talk about homelessness is the the guy sitting on the street corner you know in his mid-40s scruffy clothes a lot of times has a substance abuse problem, and that's our thought, but that's a small percentage of the folks that are homeless. You know, that's that's kind of the, okay, I can ignore that person, so that's what I want to grasp, and, and they're forgetting about the kids, the moms, the dads, the families, or the kids, with even worse, without families, with no support, that end up in this situation, and you know something that we talked about, but I don't think we went into deep enough, is bringing some norm- some normality to these kids' lives. So there's not, you know, everything's been stripped away from them, and you stick them in a school environment, and kids can be cruel. Mm-hmm. And if you give a child any reason to stick out in a bad way, kids a lot of times will not, and and they don't understand the impact it has. But it can be brutal and to be able to give a kid a backpack and school supplies to where they can go to school for that amount of time and feel just like a normal kid is is a huge impact.
2: Those, I mean, I think that's a great point. And when you see a homeless child, they look like every other child that you'll see. And so, again, it's something that's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I think a lot of people, if you were to ask how many homeless kids are there in Atlanta, they'd think a couple hundred maybe. Uh, but, again, it's we work with over 6,000 homeless children throughout the year. And, honestly, that's the tip of the iceberg. Estimates are that on I- any given day there can be up to 8,000 homeless children just in the metro Atlanta area. Wow! Um, and, and, again, obviously, as new kids become homeless throughout that time period, you're talking about tens of thousands over the course mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, And it's just heartbreaking. And a lot of times they don't really, again, have that support. And when they're going there, they're facing obstacles with people, misjudging them, people them treating them as other and different and less than. And so, again, any love and support we can give them, it makes a huge difference in their lives. Right.
1: Just sometimes looking them in the eye and talking to them like there's nothing different about them and you know i'm thinking about people who um you know might run into a group of kids at an outing Mm -hmm. and you can see that they they're not privileged they don't have the you know the new shoes they don't have you know the stylish haircut you know let's say we're talking about a 12 year old whose confidence is low because you know they're in this situation you know lost their parents or they've you know they've went into a foster home that didn't work out and they're back in the shelter. Um, so just being able to, you know, it's the normal things like, hi, how was your day? And what are you into in school? What's your favorite subject? Having these normal conversations means a lot to these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's think about so many things that they don't have like pets. We were talking about vacations and, um, you know, I'm, there's a, I think there's a lot of things that can be done maybe during the summer um, with volunteer organizations that help take care of animals that mm-hmm. are healing. I'm sure you have people come up with great ideas all the time.
0: Well, you know, and it brings me back to a conversation we had Casa on from Coweta County a couple weeks ago. And one of the things they talked about was the lack of stability for mm-hmm. these kids that end up in this. They get moved all over the place. It's not like they even necessarily get stuck in one home and stay there. They may get shuffled all over the place depending on their circumstance. So you're even stripping that stability away a lot of times.
2: Absolutely. And to that point, I know some kids who go to six, seven schools in the same school year. Right. They're going from shelter to shelter uh, and, again, not lacking that stability. But to your point, Deb, one one thing that I think we can really do to help these kids is just to be a steady presence in their lives, again, especially with those kids in the group homes. And so one of our ongoing programs that we have is our Project 101 academic mentoring program. Right. And so with this, we have volunteers who go in week in and week out. And the focus is on schoolwork, on homework, on tutoring. But we call it academic mentoring because it, it goes beyond – Um, the multiplication tables and the Pythagorean theorem. It's about developing a relationship with that child, asking them how they're doing, uh, building that bond with them over the course of time so that they can see there's that person there who cares about them. And I know uh, one of our New Hope Scholarship graduates uh, who went to college and got his degree, every time he comes back into town, he still goes and then grabs dinner with somebody who tutored him over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so they're a really lifelong relationships that build out of this that stand the test even long after that tutor has stopped volunteering with that child and
1: i'm sure that tutor and volunteer gets more than you know they receive more than they give and when you when i was at the gala and saw the faces of the people who were volunteering and when the way they light up talking about the children that they're helping and um the difference that they're making in their lives that was really exciting to see. And I know how that feels from doing, you know, when I was in Colorado, I was a big sister to a little girl. And and it wasn't that they were homeless. They were really having a hard time. A um, lot of discord at home, a lot of transition. So I was that steady presence, you know, week in and week out, just mm-hmm. going hiking, sitting and doing homework, you know, playing with our dogs. Um, just a lot of things that she... You know, she would have been sitting at home watching television mm-hmm. and really spending a lot of time by herself um, otherwise. So, um, and I, I know how it made me feel. And I would encourage everyone, even if you think, you know, I'm just so busy. I've got this house project. I have, you know, my job's in transition. You know what? You can you can take a few hours a week mm-hmm. and, and get involved, but find the right fit. Just call and talk to CRN and... Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people who can help guide you along the way. I think your your support network is um, very solid from <laughs> You have four staff, but you have 6,500 volunteers, which means you have volunteers to help the new volunteers. Mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So it doesn't have to be an overwhelming. you don't have to figure it out, reinvent the wheel. There are people who will show you what to do and guide you and support you as you're helping out a child.
2: Absolutely. And to touch on one of your earlier points, we do we want to make sure that we're able to help these kids to the best of our abilities. And so, have we only have four full-time staff people, but by having over 6,000 volunteers, I think it was close to 6,500 last year, and by having hundreds of corporations who host collections, and it really takes a whole community to touch these kids' lives year in and year out. And w- last year, uh, 93% of our donations went directly to support our programs and services. And so we try to make sure that whatever gets, goes through our door is going right back out to directly help these kids.
1: That's fantastic. And I know that the shelters and the staff at the shelters really appreciate it because I, I can only imagine how tough their jobs are. Um, you know, they, they, I'm sure they're doing and giving a lot, and they see that there's still that much more mm-hmm. to do. So I know they appreciate it as well. And um, do you have much communication with the foster parent community? We have a li- we have very limited contact
2: because most of the kids that we work with are not eligible for adoption, uh, and so there is a small percentage that are. But a lot of these kids are either not able to be adopted if they're even for the kids in the group homes, or real they're at a point where realistically they won't be adopted. What right. uh, you don't. Most people don't start a multi-year pro- adoption process on a child who's a 14-year-old teenage girl. Uh, and so it's one of those things where a lot of these group homes do have teenagers because they're at that point where...
1: So this is even more critical, mm-hmm. you know, that you can, you know, really get them on the right path.
0: Well, you know, And something that occurs to me, you know, I was in for years and years and years involved with and on the board of directors for a softball league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that these kids never get an opportunity to do is be involved in recreational sports. Mm-hmm. And something that we did on a very limited basis is, you know, I was involved when the economy took a big downturn, and we would sponsor <laughs> or scholarship a certain number of kids. So one of the things that I would encourage maybe some of these rec leagues around here to do would be to reach out to some of these group homes. And once again, it's just it it can be a big esteem self-esteem building Mm -hmm. process to get these kids out, let them make some friends Mm -hmm. outside of where they normally might, and then have something to do that's positive that would be good for them. And, you know, most of these, um, you know, you could add a small amount to how much it costs to sign a kid up and cover a lot of kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, really bring them some, and you think of the impact that has on your kid you know, that you have at home that has all the normal things around them. Now you take a kid that doesn't have any of those normal things, and it really multiplies the impact that that situation could have on a child. And those are the kind of things that we just never really think about that these kids miss out on just because there's no resources for that.
2: Of course, and there's – a near infinite amount of things that you can do to touch these kids lives in different ways. And so we of course have our established programs, but I love seeing when somebody comes in with an idea like that of let's get the kids involved in sports and rec leads, uh, Let's go and do an art class with these kids once a month. We've had uh, groups come in and play blues music for the kids. Mm, And so, again, it's just all these little different things that expose them to different things. And you never know what's going to be that moment that makes a child realize, oh, that's something that I would love to do. That's something I would love to be more involved in. Mm -hmm. And, again, just being able to get outside of your experience for that moment and just enjoy being a child. You can't... T- say enough for the impact that has on
0: somebody's life. Wow. Well, and that's, you know, that's one of the first things they lose in these situations that, you know, they have so many stresses on them that a child shouldn't have to have, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're dealing with things that are more adult and they really shouldn't have to deal with them at, at, you know, at a young age like that. And let me remind our listeners, you are listening to Pro Advocate Radio with your host, James O'Brien and Deb Beecham and Deb, tell everybody who we have on and who, you know, who he represents. And, Thank you,
1: James. Uh, we have Ben Minor with Children's Restoration Network um, here in the north side of Atlanta, but touching thousands of children around Georgia and working with over 6,000 volunteers. So Children's Restoration Network can be reached at childrn.org. And Ben, why don't you, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Children's Restoration Network?
2: Absolutely. Uh, i went to college down the road at Oglethorpe University and, school. Uh, and thought I was going to be a high school teacher my entire life. Um, but while there, I got more involved in nonprofit work and in grassroots community service. Uh, and so after graduating, uh, once I found an organization that focused so heavily on education uh and was so, and that was such an instrumental part of what they were doing. It just seemed like a perfect fit of those past dreams versus kind of that evolution of what I would wanted to do with my lives. And I, and I've been at the organizations for uh, for over seven years
1: now. That's fantastic! Great background, and it's so nice to see when your passion and talent and skill fit together like that. So you know, while it is hard work, and there's a lot going on at CRN. I'm sure it's extremely rewarding, and I, you know, I we're in radio studio, and I can see the look on your face that there's just, you know, you're filled with energy.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and it's uh, we all talk about, and it's something that everybody strives for. Oh, I want the job that fits perfectly with my passion, and a lot of times we can't achieve that. But I can promise you this: no matter what your passion is, there is always a nonprofit that you can plug into, that you can fulfill that need. And like you said, when it's something you're passionate about you know it 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 really kind of fills your soul in in a way that nothing else can
1: right and that's what led me to i founded a couple of organizations um um in my past life i was in financial services Mm -hmm. and i traveled all the time and and i really worked seven days a week before i had kids and i i was I'd kind of gotten away from my roots. I, When I was in Miami, I volunteered at the Miami Children's Hospital. And then in college, I um, spearheaded work at another children's hospital and um, just had a soft spot for children who were dealing with illness and supporting their parents and going in and entertaining them and Gosh, I should, probably shouldn't say this on the air, but I was a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I need pictures <laughs> of that. I know. Yeah, they've all been burned. Um, yeah, I actually performed on stage for a college pageant, um, which won me a spot in the Miss Mississippi pageant. Got to be just, YouTube out there um, somewhere. <laughs> this <know>. is gold. <laughs> um, but the 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 place for this, where this fits, is that. When you can sit with children and be silly and kind of just forget yourself and make up songs and watch them interact with the doll, we won't call her a dummy because she's actually quite smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, and that uh, I remind that reminded me about two things. We just had the Miss America pageant, which that's just so not my thing. Um, if you know me you can really laugh (laughs) um then but the one of the things that was really cool is we did a talent show and you know i i won with my little song it was it was actually a song that i wrote for kindergartners Mm -hmm. and performed that song and it won me a trip to disney world so that kind of brings that back to home um you know, just how privileged I was to be able to go to Disney World like that and to be able to apply a talent and a passion. But I got, here's, I, I digressed and forgot. I got into financial services world and it's so high pressure and being a female in a male-dominated industry, you know, I felt like I had to work extra hard to prove myself. And, you know, and actually we're right around the corner from where I used to work at Bear Stearns and then Dean Witter And, you know, I traveled all the time. I was really into the suits and the shoes and the cars and all of the trappings that go along with being in sales and wholesaling. And I loved my job. I love problem solving and helping see these advisors succeed and make their clients have a good experience. So it was rewarding, but I had a hole in my life. That I wasn't filling, and that was from community service. So I was privileged to have a period of time where I didn't work work, but I could spend that time going out with other organizations. And one of the things that I did um, was worked with the wheelchair tennis tournaments, and helped raise money for therapy and bring in therapy for these athletes who are in a lot of pain, traveling the world, and they don't have the services that you know, that they need. And when you meet these disabled athletes and, you know, I don't, we don't use that word disabled because they are more able (laughs) than all of us combined. When you see them compete and you see what they do um, just to get through a day Mm -hmm. and travel and they're not just competing, they're entertaining and inspiring. And what really got through to me was watching the shepherd center bring in busloads of children and other people who are dealing with severe trauma and injury and watching these athletes perform, compete, entertain, smiling, laughing, it just made all the difference in the world for the people coming from Shepherd Center to see what was possible. So when you see the looks on the faces of people who are being held back like, you know, I picture homeless children being, or they're just naturally being held back in different ways. Not that we're trying to hold them back, they just don't have access. They don't have that kind of support. So what Shepherd Center does in taking children to these events is is just a wonderful thing. And we need to do more of that for the homeless children in these shelters who are kind of off the beaten path that we may not know about. So. After, um, after a period of time, I wasn't able to continue doing the work with the wheelchair events. Fast forward, I founded My Advocate Center. And in through the work with My Advocate Center, I'm finding families who are being destabilized, children who are losing their parents, and families are losing their homes, and there's just all kinds of things that are happening that we don't know about because nobody's talking about it, but more families are becoming homeless and children are becoming homeless and winding up you know, in a system of some sort because of the conflict and the trauma that the family is experiencing. So that's why My Advocate Center was founded to kind of interrupt and intervene in that process. But I know that when I went through the court system, what happened is it basically cut my legs off out from under me. Mm -hmm. And all the time that I spent volunteering at my children's school and doing other volunteer work, those hours and that time and energy that the ability for me to contribute in the community was really taken away from me. And that makes me mad (laughs) because that was who that that's who I was. I was a volunteer and somebody who was always available and looking around. You know, how can I contribute? How can I make a difference? You know, I'm so blessed to have the life that I have. So I should do more with what I have. So what we're doing with Pro Advocate Radio and my Advocate Center is encouraging people to think about what they can contribute, where they are. It might be a little bit today. It might be a little bit more next year or next month. So do more with what you have. Give and provide what you can. And reach out to Children's Restoration Network. If you're not sure, if you want to just email me through My Advocate Center, go to myadvocatecenter.com to the contact page. And we'll help you get in touch and talk through what you're you know, really what your talents are, what your abilities, your time. Um, But I really encourage um, everyone to do something, whatever it is, tutoring, donating school supplies, clothing, um, sponsoring an event um, for these homeless children because what we're doing is we're shoring these kids up so that they can go out into society and be contributing productive members of society, you know, help them get the education that they need so they can get the jobs. And let's interrupt this cycle that we talk about so often.
0: Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, Ben, just kind of remind folks, just in, you said there's about 20 counties you guys work with. Yes. The numbers that y'all are seeing in those counties and what a drop in the bucket that is. You know, I know there's a lot of people listening to this show because 92.5 The Bear down there, where like Fayette County affluent county. People assume there's not a problem there, but there is. There are homeless kids in Fayette County. There's homeless kids in Coweta County, Troop County. Every county that's listening to this, it's going on right there in your neighborhood. And a lot of times, especially when you get into the rural counties, there may not even be the support we have in Atlanta. But just talk about, again, about the numbers that you guys are dealing with and helping on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, on any given day, there can be between 2,700 and 3,000 homeless children living in these group homes and shelters across these counties. And you made a great point. Uh, With so many of these counties, there's a few shelters here and a few shelters there. But in every one of these counties, whether you're talking about whether you're talking about Hall County and Forsyth, whether mm-hmm. you're talking about Fayette and Henry, there are places there that are helping homeless kids. And a lot of times people don't just, just don't know about it, especially with group homes where a lot of times it is more in the background rather than, rather than advertising for itself. But there are needs there. And believe me, in all these places, these shelters and group homes, they're almost always at capacity. And so what happens if you live, in uh, Jonesboro and there, and all the places around you are, f- are full. That's when you end up going into right. Atlanta. And so these kids who are still living in group homes and shelters in the, in the city of Atlanta or in DeKalb County, a lot of times they're there because the places that their their former homes in these suburban areas they ended up being filled
0: up, and they had
2: to right. go there.
0: Well, and that was uh, that was exactly the point uh, they when we were meeting with Casa, they made. Coweta County is in great need. They've lost a lot of the the foster support in the county due to some reasons we won't get into, but they were talking about the kids from Coweta ending up in Marietta and Macon and Atlanta down in Columbus because there just aren't enough places to take the kids that are getting caught up in, you know, they're losing their parents. And so it all You know, it all winds up on itself. It's amazing what these kids are having to go through.
2: It's an incredible experience. But to Deb's point, everybody has something they can do to help out. And it's and I know some people can feel overwhelmed by the idea of tutoring a child for an hour and a half each week for months and months on end. But it doesn't have to be that. It can be volunteering uh, for a few hours during the holidays to wrap gifts for kids. Uh, It can be... hosting a coat drive at your office. Uh, It can be uh, something as simple as advocacy, like what y'all do, getting the word out about these needs. So many people don't respond to this just because they don't know it's a problem. You have
1: have brochures too, don't you? Absolutely. So let's just say, for example, somebody says, you know, I – Maybe I work in the afternoon, but in my mornings I could take some brochures Mm -hmm. and go around town and just put brochures around in different businesses to help get the word about, you know, at dry cleaners, at hair salons, Mm -hmm. you know, just the coffee shops and help people know that this is going on and Mm -hmm. what the needs are. I mean, something that simple would make a big difference. Um, Like I said, I, I... was right around the corner from you all and didn't even know you were there until I was invited to that gala. So, um, and it is is an overwhelming problem and just like what we're dealing with with uh, my Advocate Center with, I mean, so many people are going through the court system and dealing with divorce and child custody fights, but just because it's overwhelming doesn't mean that we can't make a difference and focus on, if you need to focus on one child at a time, one family at a time, One shelter at a time. If you're working at the county level, you have multiple shelters and things going on in your county. But if you every day have the right attitude that I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability and I'm going to inspire somebody else to do something and to have a good attitude in that. That kind of pay it forward mindset. I mean, I woke up, I didn't feel well this morning. I said, Oh, I'm going to let James carry the show. (laughs) But you know what? We all, we all show up on our good days and our bad days. And, and if all of us are doing that across the community and across the state, we'll, we'll have a big impact. And, you know, I just, I keep thinking of this one child's face. And I think this was from the zoo. I, I, we saw, you know, a trip, um, Um, an outing of a group of kids who looked like they were from a shelter um at the zoo and this was many years ago when my kids were small and you know you could just see that they weren't used to being out and about and traveling and and it, it was just an amazing experience to watch them take it all in so um please get in touch with children's restoration network and see how you can have that that kind of impact. Yeah,
0: and Ben, if you'd share that contact information, your email address with us again, so that the folks can look you up and, and get in contact.
2: Yes, our website is www.childrn.org, childrn.org, and I can be emailed at ben at childrn.org. And for people who want to call in and just talk to somebody, our phone number is 770 770- Six four nine seven one one seven,
1: and we're on Twitter a good bit. Um, yeah, we we definitely sure we do
2: a do. lot with social media as well. Right. uh at Our our Twitter is at CRN Charity, uh, and our Facebook you just look up Children's Restoration Network.
1: Yeah, you're easy to find on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, is there any other social media that we haven't covered? I is think we're on Instagram busy? as well, Instagram. but yeah.
2: I, I'm not the tech savvy one with <laughs> yeah. all the pictures, and so <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it takes a little um, focus.
0: Let me remi- remind our listeners really quickly here that you are listening to Pro Advocate Radio with your host James O'Brien and Deb Beecham, and we are talking about the Children's Restoration Network. Uh, Deb, real quick, I do want to drag my soapbox out though and, and get <laughs> on it for a minute because and tie this back into what we talk about on a daily basis on this show is there are things going on in the family court system that make families at risk that in it's unnecessary. And a lot of it happens through just the way this system set up. It's set up to be adversarial. We take families that may be very stable and we drain them of all their resources when it's not necessary. Uh, There are, a lot of excellent lawyers out there. But there are some out there that take advantage of those situations. Let's face it, when I walk into a lawyer's office, first thing I do is tell them exactly what I'm worth. And if they're not scrupulous, they can drag this out and create an unnecessary fight. So I guess we're talking to, one, to the professionals, the good professionals, and thanking them for doing their job properly. But kind of warning parents as they go into this, you know, it doesn't need to be World War Three when you go through a divorce.
1: Right. And that's part of the education process that we're dealing with is helping people see the impact on children and really on their lives, on their careers. We've seen a lot of people lose their businesses, lose their jobs, lose their homes. But when you see the impact on the children, and this is where... It's gonna. We need to do another show just on what this process is like. But what, what we're seeing, what the data shows, is that you, if you take 30,000 people or families per year in Georgia who are getting divorced, mm-hmm. a pretty substantial percentage of those are going to lose everything they have financially. Mm-hmm. And if they don't lose their home in the process, they're going to wind up trying to modify a loan – which doesn't go very well. Um, and then they are going to struggle to focus at work. That affects their employer, and it may likely affect their job, but their health is suffering because of the tremendous stress and a, being in a prolonged period of escalated conflict. And these are, I mean, this is just one path that an average family mm-hmm. can go down to wind up becoming homeless or having their children taken away because they can't provide. And so we're what we're doing with My Advocate Center and Pro Advocate Radio is working on um, working on programs and solutions with professionals who do add value, who do care about the impact on families and children. And we're providing alternatives and helping people learn how to resolve conflict. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be about divorce or child custody, but if we learn how to resolve conflict in a way that's healthier and more cost-effective, that's good for us and for our children. Well, bottom
0: line is if you and I, if we, we've been in business together for 30 years, we're not going to destroy all the assets if you and I decide to go separate ways and now we're going to run two different businesses. We're not going to spend all our assets dividing the assets. And that's what ends up happening in, in a lot of family court yeah, cases. Yeah, families
1: are treated differently. And not, not to say that there aren't businesses who will tear each other apart, but it's, it, it happens in an overwhelming number of family conflict situations that the entire family winds up losing out because they can't see the forest for the trees. They get right. caught up in it and they're not thinking.
0: So, um, well, everybody's so worried. I mean, it is the scariest time in your life. I mean, everything that you care about and your ability to look out for the things that you care about are on the line. Right. What people are failing to realize is when you go into court and you do it in an adversarial way, you're ceding control over to people who don't care.
1: That's true in many cases.
0: And even the ones that do care, if you've got, you could have a wonderful judge that cares greatly. He's not going to see all the facts. He's making a decision off of partial information, and that's what happens way too often. And you know
1: what? I'm actually seeing some judges who are not happy with what they're seeing come in front of them where the attorneys on both sides of the case have, you know, or even just on one side of the case, has forced a situation that's not good for the children. And you can see that the judge is uncomfortable, but... You know, they, they're only able to decide on what's in front of them, like you were just saying. Um,
0: in, in the, you know, I can think of a case in Coweta County where there's a guardian involved. This case has been going on two and a half years. I've seen the guardian's bill. She spent 12 hours on it. Yet she's going to walk into court and try and make a recommendation based off that limited. I mean, it's like 20 minutes a month. that she spent. It's ridiculous. And the problem is you've got judges who don't go back and look over these people's shoulders. They trust them. And, you know, shame on the judge for doing that, but shame on that professional for not being professional. And, you know, it's just one of those things. The problem when you come into courts, you don't know the players. Right. So So
1: we're working on um, programs and offerings to help people be better informed and to be able to see what their options are and how to avoid and intervene. Well, it goes Um, back
0: to what Ben was talking about earlier. It's about breaking that cycle. It's about changing the dynamic and hopefully maybe keeping some kids from needing the services that you guys provide.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, again, people, I think, also have misconceptions about what the homeless population is and where their backgrounds have come from. Yes, a lot of it deals with poverty, but it it's not just that. I mean, mm-hmm. you see people who've come from middle-class backgrounds, uh, even from upper-class backgrounds who fall into these states due to circumstances like these and others.
0: Right. Well, most people are, you know, most people are a couple of paychecks away. Exactly. And like you said, all it takes is somebody getting sick, sometimes as simple as a car accident, or maybe the, maybe their car just goes down, and they don't have the money to get it fixed. Now they can't get to work. It, it can't. People are much more vulnerable than a lot of times they want to admit. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's a big point. Yeah, people don't want to admit. They don't want to face the shame, and, and it's hard to ask for help. Um, and p- people who are in a position to help others have often been burned, and they've seen that their contributions or loans or gifts haven't been appreciated, haven't been put to good use, Um, there's a lot of people with addiction problems, mental health problems, and they don't, they, they don't make the best recipients sometimes of gifts. So it makes it harder on others to get the help they need when it is just a simple car problem. Um, so anyway, I think, I hope that our audience will continue to think about ways to help others, have empathy, get in touch. Don't just think about it, do it. Reach out to Children's Restoration Network, reach out to us at My Advocate Center, and, um, you know, I've had people even this morning on the way to the show, um, someone I saw was, is she's giving a lot to others in what she writes and just who she is. And she said, you know, I really would like to do my own radio show because I can reach more people and I have a lot to, vo- lot to offer. And that's the mindset that we want to inspire here with pro advocate radio, and that's why I'm such a big fan of yours, Ben, because you are inspiring. And, you know, I'm going to just touch on...
0: Yeah, we got a couple more we minutes. we got a couple more minutes,
1: yep. but the gala, mm-hmm. the benefit that you all did was packed. Mm-hmm. People had fun. They were sharing stories about what they get out of giving to the homeless children and to the shelters. And, I mean, it just, it was really the best experience I think I've ever had at a fundraising gala like that and i had i had a good time with our friend ashley too that was great i was so happy that she went with us and made that possible um so thank you ashley if you're listening and um the photography was great the food was fantastic the dancing people had a great time and the um the how did the um the auction turn out
2: uh, it was great. It was our biggest scale ever, most amount of people coming out to the event ever. And again, it was a wonderful time. Just great fun, great food, great experience, and it's just an opportunity to just share what these experiences mean to these kids.
1: Yeah, the kids who spoke. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would love to have them or one of them on. They were phenomenal.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and. Again, these programs, yes, there are the day-to-day, but there can absolutely be life-changing impacts. No doubt. Uh, uh, One of our Gala, uh, our New Hope Scholarship graduates, who graduated from college this year, uh, she started life uh, in an abusive family, and she was living in a car with her mother, and they were actually literally scrounging through dumpsters for food when she wow. was three years old. Yeah. Uh, she just got married the other day uh, and she uh, wants to go back and pursue her career and, uh, and social work uh, and so that she can work with kids from at-risk backgrounds. Uh, and so this does not only impact her life, but the lives of her family, the lives of other kids who she's going to work
0: with. Yeah, yeah. that's... Like, like throwing a rock in the water. It just ripples out.
2: Exactly
1: so what I, let's talk just for a couple minutes about um the you've got the the tutoring mm-hmm. and it's called
2: uh project one-on-one hour an hour and a half a week and kind of to your point different people have different schedules but weekdays in the late afternoons weekday evenings even an occasional weekends sometimes are available okay so whatever works with people's uh, schedule uh, okay. and then we also do have some holiday programs around the corner so right uh, Thanksgiving food drive making sure all these uh, Kids get a bountiful Thanksgiving meal. We also uh, do uh, general toy drives, as well as an adopt-a-shelter program where a business can adopt one location cool. and provide the gifts for those kids at that location. Okay, so
1: we're going to make sure we get all that information on the website and keep it going on social media. So mm-hmm. you can follow Pro Advocate Radio at Pro underscore A underscore Radio. Deb Beecham is just Deb Beecham ATL on Twitter and james will keep will pull you we'll keep pulling you along on okay. twitter but we'll <laughs> we'll follow up and check in with you again over the winter and thank you so much for the work that you're doing for our homeless kids
2: we appreciate y'all and again appreciate everybody out there who's just contributing in whatever way they can to help our improve our community
0: thank you deb great show thanks james ben thank you thank you Thank you again for joining Deb Beecham and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Pro Advocate Radio, brought to you by My Advocate Center, the voice for families and family law advocates. Learn more at myadvocatecenter.com.
2: Hey, I'm Maurice. As a barber, you might think my scissors are my main tool, but really, it's Metro. That's where I got my iPhone 7. Its camera makes sharing my cuts as simple as snip, snap, share. Right now, get an iPhone 7 with a camera that shoots 4K for just $49.99 when you switch to the number one brand in prepaid. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day.
0: Requires port in of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days and verification of ID and independent database. Limit four per account slash household. 32 gigabyte iPhone 7 model only. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions.